Phil? Yes. Do you want glory? Oh, God, yes. Graham, do you want glory? All the time. Am I the only one that doesn't want glory? It's always nice to have some accolades to look back mm. on to say I made a success of that, that thing there. Yeah. I mean, maybe we'll look back on... On this show, and be like, oh, do you remember when we won the World Podcast Awards? If there's such thing for for that show, yeah, well, oh, it's good, yeah. yeah. Remember when we founded those podcast awards? Just to give ourselves <laughs> <an experience. laughs> And welcome to Sabrina the Teenage Watch, the podcast where three suave and sophisticated northern blokes talk about all 163 episodes of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Of course we do. And those three northern blokes that I'm referring to is myself, Phil Dean, the host of this show. And to my left is my good companion, uh, Graham Riley. How are you, Graham? I'm fine, thank you, Phil. Very, very good. And returning from a week's absence, it's Chris Evans. Hey. Martini, shaken, not stirred. That is suave. That is very suave. It's debonair as well. Yeah. Uh, de- debonair. That, well, we'll use that next week. Debonair. Well, we can't now. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, people might forget by next week. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll come up with more words. If, if anyone listening has got some good words to describe us, albeit hopefully it's not offensive, uh, then please let us know. Although, if it is offensive, still send them in because yeah, I find well, it hilarious. Why not, eh? Um, so, uh, Chris, you were away for a week. Yeah. You missed an episode. I did. Uh, we filled you in briefly on what it was about. Yes. And um, how we said it to you was everything you were worried that the episode will get across came across. Yeah. So I think you would have been rather upset by the episode. So I think you, you conveniently picked a good one to skip. I. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, the sheer fact that I called it without watching it, that mm. sort of gives it, says, says more than enough. What I was yeah. more... Uh, annoyed about and frustrated about is at the end of the episode that I left Harvey had asked Sabrina out on a date yeah, yeah. and in the next episode there's nothing about it yeah I, I totally forgot to mention that because it just totally didn't register yeah it meant nothing everything was as it was before that interaction and, yeah. and, and like continues to... in this episode absolutely no thank inkling you. that they are any more than friends yeah thank you very much Graham because re- that really infuriated yeah. me it's like we, we've had this lead up to Harvey finally getting some form of courage to ask her out, and then we see nothing. We know they went on a date because she went to get changed, but that's it. We didn't see the date. We we didn't see the fallout after the date. We didn't. He, we, there was no reference to it. No. What did they even do? I can't even remember. They didn't even say. No, exactly. That's what I mean. What did they do? It's as if they didn't plan to carry it on. That's just a grave shame. But the only thing you really missed was. Um, it was a very Libby-heavy episode. Um, um, we which I'm to, glad I missed. We Well, it was a good good one for developing Libby and making us all realise that she can't change, she will never change, she is still Libby through and through. Fair enough. Um, but uh, Libby is not in this episode now because we, we had an overload of Libby. The last one, we are now up to episode 10, which is entitled Sweet and Sour Victory, which sounds more racist than it actually is. Well, no, it is racist. <laughs> the episode title is. Luckily, nothing within the episode really strays into that territory, but seriously, Sweet and Sour, because that's Chinese and so is Kung Fu. That is the only reason <laughs> yeah. this title exists. Yeah. But, I mean, let's face it, I was the first one to call racist on this. Yes. Uh, but... Thinking about it, the sweet and sour victory, I can understand oh, it why makes, they call it. Makes, it makes, it makes that, sense, but it's kind of clever and racist at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what I believe racism should. No, don't, no. <laughs> so this episode opens up uh, with Sabrina and Harvey playing uh, badminton. 
or as they keep saying, badminton. 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 So kind of say badminton, but kind of bring bring like your, your head into your neck. Badminton. So it starts off as just uh, Sabrina and Harvey uh, playing it, Harvey excelling, Sabrina failing, uh, and then in a desperate attempt to bat the oncoming cock, uh, she throws her racket at Harvey's. See what I did there? I, yeah, yeah, no, I, I know. I just didn't really. This is. Um, I just wasn't expecting it. <laughs> Unexpected cock always makes me laugh. Um, but yeah, one of many occasions in this episode where Harvey is maimed <laughs> yes. by Sabrina un- unwittingly. Harvey yeah. just is just getting physically abused. His main role. He doesn't have much of a role in this episode other than punch bag. Other than no. having a bruised chest. Yeah. yeah. It, and we, a bruised we, ego, I'm sure. Yeah. We, we know that Harvey gets told by his dad that winning and being a football player, yada yada, so he's being mentally abused at home. And now in this episode, he's being physically abused. I mean, Absolutely. I can't catch a break. And also, he, he went on a date with this girl, and now she's acting like it never happened. He's <laughs> yes. having a terrible time <laughs> Absolutely. of it. Absolutely. Not only is she acting like it never happened, she's physically assaulting him yeah. as well. She's very comfortable in this abusive relationship she's put herself in, isn't she? Awful stuff. But... Hashtag free Harvey. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, very short and sweet um, opening scene. Uh, we then go to the titles. And boys, we were very disappointed with these opening titles because she's dressed as a 60s chick again. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, these aren't even gags. Like in The Simpsons, for example, you do see the same couch gag repeated, but they have to animate those. They have to script them because they are actually little like mini sort of uh, sketches. This is literally Melissa Joan Hart wearing an outfit and making a vaguely witty comment in relation to it we are yeah 10 episodes in already repeating these gags is that it now <laughs> that's it that's it for, we have for the, nine for the, for the next five years <laughs> worth of episodes it's just these nine um costumes on repeat but that this is the thing in each one there has been some weird link at some point and not at, always no not always but in the beginning there some, was some of them very very loosely yeah but it. as it's gone on, there hasn't been a single link, and all it would have taken is them to put her in a uh, kung fu outfit, which which, which we see which her wear. See. Yeah. So it's like it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Lame. So um, yeah, very lame and disappointing. Anyway, um, we open up this episode in good style because we're in Mr. Pool's class, Yay. and uh, he's gone through the curriculum. He's t- he's been teaching about skin recently, um, jaw bones. Uh, specifically, he's talking about calcium uh, in this one. Angry and miffed that none of his students are learning or paying any attention. Uh, at the end of the class, Sabrina impresses Mr. Pool with her knowledge. Mr. Pool, surprised that she paid attention, questions why she didn't even raise her hand. To which she responds with, "Nothing's ever good enough for you." Yeah, nothing's good enough for you, isn't it? Yeah, it's a nice bit of consistency. Obviously, she showed an aptitude and an interest in science in the last episode, and that carries over. Yeah. So it's a bit of continuity there. Yeah, but um, anyway, so she leaves the classroom only for Harvey to fucking leap in from round the corner and inform Sabrina that the school are doing kung fu as a PE activity. Mm. Not anything specific, just just generically kung fu um, is part of the PE curriculum, which is. Interesting to say the least. Um, it's, yeah, it's no, a, I did plausible. I, good. No, yeah, I judo when I was in primary school. Yeah, that's, judo. But judo is yeah. a lot less actually hitting people. <laughs> yeah, it's more about flips and how knowing how to counter and stuff. Yeah, it's, it's just, almost I, like amateur wrestling, isn't it? Judo, whereas um, kung fu implies that you're going to be swinging kicks and yeah. things. Especially the plans that Mr. Poole has uh, for a good student later on in the episode. Anyway. 
It uh, must be. All, all I will say is, it must be a very safe school. It mustn't be a very rough school because, no. my God, if you were teaching martial arts to some of the psychos in our school, yeah. you really would have had trouble. So yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, Sabrina says she, that she finds sports hard because she's not a jock like Harvey because he has apparently a ton of trophies. He then responds saying, "18 isn't a ton." Trophies are just a symbol of superiority and greatness. And that seems to kind of go over his head. He doesn't... It's like he doesn't register what he's saying. I don't know... I don't know how to take it with Harvey because he was like... I, essentially saying I'm 18 times better than everyone else because <laughs> I've got 18 <laughs> trophies. But then he just brushes it off. So is he is he referent, Is he going, but I don't care about that? Or is he literally just being, yeah, well, I've got 18 trophies, so... <laughs> Jog on. Yeah. Well, in, in the last episode, we um, Harvey described himself as a, a quasi jock or yeah. something, you know, which which we well, you informed me, Graham, that it's something like he doesn't necessarily excel. He just tries at different well, things. Well, I mean, well, qua- well, by quasi, it means like sort of. So like, there's ways in which we've said it before. There are ways in which he doesn't quite fit into the jock stereotype. We see he's not fantastic at every sport he tries because he struggles to make the football team. Um, However, there is a bit of inconsistency in this that he is good enough to be awarded 18 trophies. Well, he could be good at lots of other sports, you know. Could be... Button. Yeah, he could, could, could be good at... Mm. And, um, uh, tennis. Tennis. Snooker. Snooker. Yes. Snooker's <laughs> not a sport. Especially yes. not in America. Lacrosse, though, he could be good at. Yeah. Could, be good, could be good at wrestling. You know, he could, yeah, could be good at lots of things. Fishing. Fishing. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Is that, could that be Golf. a PE curriculum? Yeah, if kung fu can be in the curriculum, Phil, anything can. Well, why can't snooker then? If you pulled your face, because nobody... snooker's not a sport, and nobody plays snooker in America. This is the point. Maybe pool. Maybe pool's Maybe... Okay. not a sport. Ooh, yeah. I made the the fishing joke was a joke that it's not. It's not a sport. You just sit there. Harvey says that he wants Sabrina to take up Kung Fu with him after she's debating about, well, maybe I should take take basketball or basketball. Um, so maybe she can sit on the bench and do some studying because she's just not interested in sport. But Harvey says he wants uh, to do Kung Fu with her and she says that would be fun and chops him in the larynx to show her appreciation. Yeah. Um, so assault that, number two. <laughs> assault number two already and we've only just started. Um, anyway, we cut back to the Spellman's house and Hilda is playing the violin. Mm. She's alone, so she magics in a rapturous applause and flying roses, something she's done clearly a lot. Yeah. Uh, because Zelda says they've run out of roses, uh, sorry, run out of vases to stick all the roses in. I thought this was a display of Zelda's caring nature. These roses that have been magicked into existence to feed Hilda's insecurity, and Zelda keeps them alive. She yeah. doesn't just throw them away. Oh, That's here's lovely. a thought. Whoa. Okay, so uh, we know when the magic product sits, the knockoffs. Yeah. You know, um, uh, you who is. Hey, you over there. Yeah. Um, what if they actually can't magic life? Yeah, they magic dough men, but they're made out of dough and they last mm-hmm. four hours. And technically plants are alive. So what if they can't magic life into existence, i.e. plants and microbes, etc., etc., and they are just the actual roses within existence? So she's magicked them from, like, a rose garden somewhere in the world. Yeah. Maybe, maybe she transported them in. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe roses are just disappearing off bushes. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, she's brought them all in, um, and um, so she's she's rehearsing on the violin, which Zelda makes reference that she's been practicing that same piece forever since Mozart composed it. In fact, a little sort of sliding there. Um, so Zelda's coming to see what all the racket is about, and uh, Hilda says that she's got the biggest audition of her career coming up. Ooh, it's not just a hobby. No. 
This is a career. Yeah, for her. but the biggest audition of her career. She's been alive for six hundred years. She's been practicing that one piece since Mozart was alive. How is this the biggest opportunity that she's had? Well, if she's been practicing for three hundred years and she's still only so-so at it, then mm. probably is the biggest opportunity she's had because three hundred years ago she was probably shit. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> Uh, so Sabrina comes home to Hilda's imaginary adoring fans uh, and Zelda asks her how school went Uh, she tells them that Harvey has asked her to take kung fu with him but she's worried that she'll maim him well she already has twice too late (laughs) it's already happened Um, so Zelda seemingly signs the fall away Um, we then cut to the gymnasium slash cafeteria again and the kung fu students are apparently being psyched up by the traditional uh, Chinese slash Hong, uh, Hong Kong music, I guess, to yeah. rile them up. Um, suddenly, the Kung Fu Master starts throwing kicks and shapes, and boys, it's only Mr. Bloody Pool, isn't it? I want a spin off show where we see Mr. Pool teach every single subject in the school, because <laughs> he evidently does. Yes, so, uh, but no, we, we, when it was on, we did address this, in yeah. fairness. We did address this. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, Mr. Poole does seem like a guy who would have learnt Kung Fu as Graham, so mm-hmm. I think Graham put it so so wonderfully, he seems like a guy that would have got beaten up a lot in well, school. Well, they say that in school. Yeah, We know for a fact that Mr. Poole needs to make up hours to pay bills, yeah. and this is yet another thing he does at the school, as well yeah. as cafeteria duty and washing the principal's car. But, yeah. but because this is a sport, this seems like something he generally enjoys doing in his own time. They probably just thought it would be funny if Paul, oh, yeah. <laughs> to put Paul Feige in a, in a gi and have, have, have him do all this. But yeah, it is consistent with what was established, as Chris said, of his, um, his odd jobs to make ends meet. Yeah. So yeah, out of, out of, it could have been anyone. They could, they could have just cast someone as a one-off because I, I don't suppose Kung Fu will come up again in the rest of its uh, 100-odd episodes we've got left to do. But still, yeah, excellent just randomly casting... Uh, Paul Feig and you know, Mr. Poole of the Kung Fu Master. It's brilliant. Um, so Sabrina and Harvey can't believe that Mr. Poole knows Kung Fu. And as we said, Sabrina reckons it's because he was bullied as a child. Oh. Um, and we soon see that, yeah, he might know Kung Fu, but he is still awkward, wise-cracking, to no reception Mr. Poole, as yeah. always. Um, so Mr. Poole encourages the students to do the traditional bow and release their inner chi. So breathing and gaining focus. Um, Sabrina then volunteers to be, well, the volunteer in his next exercise, uh, the river and the rock. That's what it is. Uh, the theory behind that is that the uh, the rock, even though it is it's strong and heavy and robust, it will never beat the river because the rock is slow and the river will carry it across and stuff. So doing this exercise, Mr. Will, in a way, embarrasses Sabrina? Say so? No, I wouldn't even go that far. Right? He does, well, he, he just, doesn't embarrass it. He doesn't do it intently. He, what he does is he trips her up in, in, in a legal kung fu move. Yeah, I guess. Exactly. And Sabrina gets in a huff about it. He, he does what the whole exercise is designed to demonstrate. <laughs> and her ego is so fragile that she, well, then the episode probably um, kicks into gear because she gives herself supreme kung fu ability to... Um, stop herself losing face and um, to humiliate Mr. Poole. Again, Sabrina is very thin-skinned yeah. and cannot petty, as uh, as I think was the word we used. Yeah, basically, just because she was shown up the slightest bit, 
on day one, on lesson one. <laughs> lesson one, way. opening minutes of this class, and she's yeah. fed up, she can't do it. Yeah, it's like, you haven't even tried. Yeah. Just give it a whirl. Come on. And it's like, I, I'm going to demonstrate to you one move. This is how we do it. Done it. You're on the floor. Yes, but it's a demonstration of what... And then you're going to practice that on someone. And it... Oh, it's so infuriating. Yeah. It is... That is the quintessential aspect of what is wrong with mm. the youth yeah. of today, of past generations, whatever. 16-year-olds, 17-year-olds, teenagers yep. just want things there and then. They don't want to put in the time, and it demonstrates how petty. Yeah. Damn millennials, or Generation Xs in this case. Yeah. I just, um, sorry, I had to get that Oh, off no, it's all right, Chris. It's very, very valid. Everything you say is valid, my friend. It's fine. Uh, especially when you're talking about the ute of today. Um, the so, Australian pickup trucks of today. <laughs> <laughs> so she's, um, yeah, so she's a bit miffed, a bit pissed off that she's been upstaged by this kung fu master. Um, so she then wants, she says, oh, The Rock wants a rematch. She says, The River accepts. <laughs> she then points a finger at herself. And uh, one thing I was thinking, is this just... When she points at things, does and the magic happens. When she points a finger at something, does magic happen that corresponds to what she wants to happen, or is she doing some form of specific spell? I think it's what just what's in her mind. Yeah, happens if like if the laws of magic allow for that thing to happen. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, we we saw Zelda on slippery floor. Mm-hmm. She she had to say that out loud, otherwise the audience wouldn't know what's going on. Yeah. But. It, she could have said it in her mind. So I think what it is, is if I wanted ice cream right now, I would just think ice cream and point. Yeah. 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 That makes sense, no, right? No, yeah. no. That makes perfect yeah. sense. In, in, in relation to casting magic, that makes perfect sense. Um, so we're, uh, so we're, we're still at the class, and um, again, Mr. Poole has accepted uh, a rematch against The Rock, who is uh, not, not Dwayne The Rock Johnson, <laughs> but Sabrina, <laughs> Sabrina uh, being The Rock. In this exercise. So then she dodges his attack because she now knows Kung Fu. And as Mr. Poole tries to go in for another attack, she then flips him over. A bit astonished. Mr. Poole's like, oh, well, uh, that's the way you should fall over. Okay, maybe we'll do the best uh, two out of three. And then uh, we then have a, a third match. And there's flips everywhere coming from a stunt double. And flips coming from a stunt double here and there. And um, we get this little sort of showdown as such. Leading to Mr. Poole begging for his life, um, asking Sabrina to stop. And that's it. Sabrina has used her magic to beat a veteran in the game. Basically, Sabrina's used magic to beat a uh, 30 to 40 year old man at Kung Fu. Yeah, yeah. almost to death, maybe. Yeah, it, it's terrible, really. I mean, okay, yes. It is, it is a moral tale, and this is the point at which she sort of deviates from the moral path. But I don't know, I mean... She should know better already. Mm. Like, I don't know, yeah. I think she's she's long in the game enough now to not use her magic for such pettiness. She's yeah. already done that that sort of thing before and got her come up and something like, okay, I can't be that frivolous with it. And now she's sort of regressing, I think, here. Yeah, so. yeah I mean, well, I was... She's many, getting a bit cocky with her magic, isn't she? Just many, like, yeah, many episodes ago, like, oh, I'm getting really good at tripping Libby up uh, in the cafeteria. It's, it's, it's the same sort of thing. She hasn't... This is it. What? We haven't had like a proper character development of Sabrina yet. Maybe this is the development. She's turning into a bit of a dick. Yeah, that's what I mean. Oh, maybe it's Ooh. a redemption arc. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe she just, yeah. Over five years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
She becomes the next Salem. I don't know how this. I don't know how this show ends. Maybe she becomes a cat at the end. I'm just saying that it, it, there there isn't character development. We're seeing the same sort of petty and insecure and using the magic uh, to bend her own will, etc. Well, she's getting worse, mm. not better. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. like. It kind of goes, it reminds me of a comment that Hilda made in Magic Joel um, when she says, like, oh, I need, uh, to cure Magic Joel from uh, his invisibility spell, you need some visibility powder. And she says, oh, can you bring it over? And Hilda then says, don't you forget, we're witches. And she just makes it appear just at the, at, at her fingertips. So, like, maybe it's, she, that's played on her mind. She's thinking, oh, well, I'm a witch. I can do whatever I want. But it's been too long now. Like, that was a long time ago at this point. We don't know how much time has passed, literally, but it's there's been at least ten adventures she's had with, with her witch powers by this point. Mm. She should know. But anyway, what Chris just said, let me to think. Is the weakest character in Sabrina the Teenage Witch, Sabrina? At this stage, I'm, I'm yeah. Yeah, willing yeah. to admit that, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we, we've got Harvey, this, this as you say, quasi-jock, who uh, we see his father... Well, we don't see his father pushing him, but we know his father's pushing We're him. We're aware of that, yeah. Jock. yeah. Uh, but actually, he's actually a really nice guy. He likes to dance. He likes to sing. We've got all this. We've got Libby. We know she wants power. And even uh, the previous episode, she goes in. She becomes a geek. She still wants that power. And she turns all the geeks to mm-hmm. her. She becomes queen geek, whatever. We've got Hilda, whose character development is basically the same. But she's getting better. Well, especially yeah. in this episode. Yeah, in this episode. She shows restraint. Yeah, and then we've got Zelda, who we've had a love interest because we didn't know what she was, and she was very much sort of uh, the sensible aunt. Yeah, a bit uptight. Yeah. yeah, but now we've seen a love interest, and we've got Salem, who... Okay, Salem. That's where it ends. Yeah, you well, can't... You in, can't the open, you in the opening about... episode, we, we, we found out more about Salem, and now he's it, yeah, he's kind of just a second thought, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. It's never mentioned again that he used to be human. Mm, really, yeah. right? But yeah, Sabrina is the is the weakest character. Yeah, yeah. It's a shame, isn't it? It's um, pity it's called Sabrina Teenage Witch, and we've got 150 odd episodes left to, to she, explore this. She, she might get better, but but right now in the in the power rankings, she would be behind just about everybody of the regular cast. I would yeah. say. Right yeah. now, I'm seething, seething at the thought of her. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, we're back at the Spellman's house, and Mr. Poole is at the door, and he's come to chat to Hilda and Zelda about Sabrina's natural gift for kung fu. He then turns to her and says, Sabrina, are you interested in glory? <laughs> Aren't we all? Um, he says, uh, Sabrina obviously agrees, because apparently there is a kung fu competition in Boston next week, and he reckons Sabrina has what it takes to win the gold. I'm just saying, if you... Do, Phil? Yes. Do you want glory? Oh, God, yes. Graham, do you want glory? All the time. Am I the only one that doesn't want glory? Yes. In this... in. This law of averages, yes. Two, two out of three of us have said yes. So you yeah. are the minority when it comes to, to glory. Well, it, it depends what kind of glory. I mean, some victories are completely unimportant. But I don't know. It's, it's always nice to have some accolades to look back mm. on to say I made a success of that that thing there. Yeah. Eh, yeah. I mean, maybe. I mean, maybe we'll look back on on this show and be like, oh, do you remember when we won the World Podcast Awards, if there's such a thing for, for that show? Yeah, well, oh, it's good, yeah. yeah. Remember when we won all those poddies? Also? <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I just, I'm just saying. It's remember like... when we founded those podcast awards? Just to give ourselves a <laughs> Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe we should do that. There we go. There we go. We, we can make our own glory. We, we are witches in this sense. We're we gonna, are, yeah. We're going to make our own glory just so we can revel in it. And I'm not going to... 
I'm not. No, I'm not going to say what I'm thinking. Oh no, go on because normally it's funny. No, because it's about making your own glory. Okay, were you going to say something you you'd, you want to bathe in your own glory or something? And... No, no one wants to bathe in my glory. <laughs> 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 Do us to drill a hole in the wall of a toilet cubicle. Is that where you were going? Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> that's how the that's, that's that's some of your own glory you can make certainly. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, so uh, just remember the. Um, the gaffer tape so you don't get splinters on your old fella. Anyway. Um, <laughs> and your penis. Um, <laughs> him too. Um, anyway, yeah. We'll, we'll, leave the, we'll leave the glory hole talk till the glory hole scene in episode 14. Hey, but, um, yeah, um, oh, it was a good one. It was good though, wasn't it? Very <laughs> Pardon the pun, but it rolled off the tongue. Um, so, uh, so once Chris has composed himself, uh, we'll carry on. Uh, so Sabrina has accepted this kung fu competition, um, and Mr. Bill says, Great, I'll file the necessary paperwork and swing by my HMO for a quick CAT scan to make sure this ringing in my ears is no big deal. Uh, I'll see you tomorrow, hopefully without all these spots. Um, you made a good point, Chris. Is is Mr. Bill safe to drive? He has a concussion. He evidently has a concussion here. It's ridiculous. Like, yeah. Thanks, guys. No, sorry, Chris, you're okay. Wipe the tears. Yeah, away. I'm good. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so Mr. Poole has seemingly suffered a uh, concussion. Um, he's seen stars, hearing things, and um, Serena doesn't seem interested. It's just like, she, he just leaves and she lets him. And yeah. Very reckless, isn't it? Um, however, during this uh, conversation between Mr. Poole and Sabrina, um, Zelda and Hilda find it a little bit fishy that, uh, that this natural gift of Kung Fu has come a bit too easy for her, so they smell a rat. Uh, so does Salem, because uh, he had one for lunch, he says. Yeah. Um, Sabrina is practising in the mirror. Again, wait, hang on. We've what? just glazed over that. We didn't even pick up on it. What? This whole thing about Salem used to being human, so and now he's a cat. Yeah. I'm I'm terribly sorry, but if I was a if I was a human then got turned into a cat, I wouldn't eat a mouse. Or a rat. Yeah. Or a rat or a bird. I would I, that it who, just, who knows? Yeah, but he can't use a knife and fork, can he? Who knows that who well, knows? well he answered the phone, didn't he? Yeah. Well he probably can't. But I'm just I'm I'm just saying it's a little bit barbaric when he is being cared for by two witches and we're assuming they're feeding him. But he's then, so he's, is it, is this because he is who he is and tried to take over the world? Maybe, maybe or, he ate, maybe he ate rats in his uh, human <laughs> life as well. Yeah, yeah but, or, or is this him re- assimilating to cat life? Maybe when he was f- planning world domination, maybe like the rat uh, king in um, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, maybe he lived in the sewer, maybe he, maybe he ate rats. Maybe, to survive. Don't know. Who knows? Yeah, what, don't know. Master Splinter? No, no, there's a, there's, there's, there's a, there's a, there's the sewer people. There's yeah. like a rat oh, king. Oh, yeah, 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 there is, yeah. I'm, um, I'm just saying, it's it's as as a human being, if I was turned into a cat, I wouldn't I wouldn't eat rats and mice and birds and that lark. Yeah. It depends how it changes your appetite. I mean, their stomachs are more inclined to... Uh, configured to digest such things rather than processed human food. So, Mebs, he can't really eat human food the way he used to. But yeah. then again, it goes back to the question we asked a couple of weeks back. Where it was, was he was Salem turned into a cat, or was his consciousness put into a cat? Yeah, that too. Yeah, yeah. 
Either way, he's eating rat. <laughs> Whether eating, he wants to or not. He's eating a rat, that much is certain. <clears throat> yeah, didn't realise we'd have that much to talk about, just a throwaway comment from Salem. Um, so Sabrina is practising in the mirror, and she changes into her traditional kung fu garb, which we were surprised that we didn't see that in the uh, the opening titles. Um, she then flips backwards several times to answer her bedroom door. It's Hilda, Zelda and Salem. Hmm, seems like a sort of intervention or some sort of uh, yeah. uh, strict talk for her. She said, Mr Poole spoke of your natural gifts. Uh, Zelda says, I just want to know, are they natural or supernatural? Because mm. they said something's fishy. Uh, Sabrina admits that she used her magic and both Hilda and Zelda are furious. Um, she asks why. She says, well, using your magic to compete against mortals gives you an unfair advantage, Zelda says. Okay, yeah. so... Well, yes, it does, but at the same time... Of course time, it does. Like, well, yeah, but at the same time, she's just using the attributes that she has. It's like it's like um, yeah, but that's wearing like... the latest sporting equipment or taking a load of anabolic steroids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're just using what you've got. Well, th- thank you, Vladimir Putin. It's fair because because we obviously we we keep hearing throughout the show that there are rules in place, and um, it's nice to see that they are not forgetting, especially Hilda, which takes a surprise. A face turn in this event, really. You know, we she has basic witch decency, doesn't she? Yes. I think yeah. um, she's known for being reckless and murderous. Um, yeah, murderous, and she's there for comic value most of the time. However, she says, um, obviously, going because using your mort- uh, magic against mortals gives you an unfair advantage. Which the she then replies with, "That's why I've been practicing so hard. I want to win first chair, uh, not because I'm a witch, but because I have talent, which is very." Grown up for Hilda, quite a surprising yeah. uh, comment from her, which is which is nice, nice to find, really. Yeah, very grown up for this uh, yeah, six hundred year old woman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but at the same time, as Graham pointed out, if you've been practicing for three hundred years, you should probably be the best at it. Yeah, but the fact that progress has been so slow, and she's stuck at it, and she's never used a spell to become good, or at, least, at least if she has, she's sort of not made a habit of mm. it. Shows she must be very patient and must yeah. be very honest. So it's a mm. nice, nice sort of like reveal of, uh, of yeah. Hilda's true side, and we'll we'll see this as well as the as the episode progresses. Um, so Sabrina says that she has no talent and she sucks at sports. That's why she's used this magic. Uh, to which Zelda asks if she's tried something easy. I don't know, like badminton. Badminton. Because badminton. The joke that mm. uh, that's something easy. But it's fucking not though. No badminton. No, it's a, a sports go. It's. Yeah, it's not the most. It's well, it's I've, easy. It's easy to know how what to do. It still yeah. requires a bit of skill to do it. Though. Yeah, I was going to say. How, did you see the badminton world championships? It's crazy. It's like the darts. They're all over the place. Yeah. I couldn't keep up with yeah, that. Yeah, it, it's easy to know what to do, just not necessarily how to how to do it. So uh, Zelda says it's up to Sabrina um, <clears throat> what she does in the competition, but she should use her conscience. To lead the way. Uh, Hilda then gives her a literal moral compass to borrow. Yeah. It just has right and wrong. Which it then instantly plummets and points to wrong when Sabrina holds it. Yeah, but I'd just like to point out, moral compasses don't look like that. There are grey areas. I suppose, but maybe the... um... I don't know what you call it, the, the dial, the hand of the compass would be just hover between the two if you if it was like, I'm not sure, you know, this is maybe a bit wrong or a bit... You're sort of right. Yeah. Murder, wrong. Uh, self-defence murder, 
Grey area. Yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, in the, in the public of interest, telling telling kids and families what to do. Yeah, just right or wrong. We don't want to go. Yeah, don't want don't want to hear it say murder. Okay, question mark. Yeah, um, racism. Wrong. Not racist. Right. Yeah, this episode the morally grey area. Yeah, a few episodes on this would just have a wrong moral yeah. consequence. Um, so Salem says to Sabrina she should weigh up the pros and cons, maybe, whether to use her magic. Uh, the pro is she wins, obviously. The con is she loses. Win, lose, win, lose, win, lose. She obviously goes with the win option. Yeah. So, I mean, she's a 16-year-old girl. She wants to win. She's obsessed with the idea of winning a trophy to some degree. So, fair, fair to her in a let her off the hook kind of yeah. way. So we're at the Kung Fu competition or the school cafeteria again and both Sabrina and Mr. Poole are intimidated by the competition, especially uh, the seasoned veteran Tai White Si, who is apparently a famous actor and martial artist. However, he is played by the literal legend actor martial artist Kari Hiroyuki Tagawa. So yeah, this uh, this uh, gentleman, uh, Kari Hiroyuki Tagawa, uh, he has been in two different video game franchise uh, movies. He was in uh, the Tekken film playing Haihachi, and he played Shang Tsung in both the original Mortal Kombat film, which was also from around about this time in the mid-90s, and also Mortal Kombat Legacy, which was released in the early 2000s. Oh, that was like the, that was like the, the online sort of one. That was, yeah. That's right, yeah. That was pretty good, though. And he's recently been in uh, Man in the High Castle, the uh, Amazon series, as well. Yeah, he's not necessarily like if you need a martial art guy, he is the guy, but he's definitely somewhat a, f- a familiar face. Yeah, he's, such he's, he's quite very common. Nearly everything he's in, he's displaying his martial arts skills. That's yeah. very much his um, sort of um, his selling point rather than his acting. But yeah, yeah he's, he's what's, what's very clever about this is that he is a actor martial artist playing an actor martial artist. Yeah, like what's the name of the film he's supposed to have? Uh, uh, Dragon to Killer. In? Yeah, yeah. So he is, he is this actor in Dragon Killer. However, he is this actor who is currently in Sabrina as well. Uh, so yeah, so it's very clever. So um, Sabrina begins concentrating and preparing. She's waxing off and waxing off. Did you see? She's waxing on and waxing off. Yeah. Especially obviously from uh, the Karate Kid. Uh, she then chops Harvey in the stomach again. Oh. How many? Um, does that take up to three times? Three times yeah. it's been struck. I mean, I just, I just for crying out loud, poor fella. Oh, absolutely. He oh. asked this girl out on a date, and since then, all she's done is beat him or bruise him, him, yeah, bruise him, and just did not even take into account that they went on a date. I mean, for crying out yeah. loud. As well, this guy, he's Harvey. He's travelled all the way to Boston. Well, to actually, come and watch. Webby lives in suburb of Boston, I think. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but still, yeah. travelled to the city. they yeah. being um, and to uh, see this kung fu competition, yeah, yeah. He, he's being really supportive, and he, he said to her, "You're still a winner to me, whether you, uh, even if you lose." Oh, yeah, well, that, well, yeah, that's that what he says. Um, he says he's wanted to say something. He wants to say something to her before her big match. Something he wished his dad would say before his games. He says it doesn't matter if you win or lose. You're still a winner to me. That's heartbreaking, isn't it? It is, because it, it basically implies that Harvey's dad says to him before the game, if you lose, you're a loser, and I don't like losers. You'll be out of this house if you lose. However, if you win, you're my son! Yeah, win or don't come home. Yeah. And, and it, it, there's been hints of that throughout this series and he's so getting, far. And he's getting no love from Sabrina. Harvey, he's getting chops to the chest is what he's getting. He's in a bad, bad place. Yeah. I mean, if chops to the chest were love, then he'd be in a great place, yeah. but they're not. But yeah, it's a poor, poor bloke. But it's again a nice bit of continuity, and again just a great development for Harvey as this this guy who he might have it all, but only possession-wise and stuff, not necessarily yeah. 
he's not got everything that he needs, no. so, uh, which is obviously love off Sabrina and love off his, uh, his father, yeah, poor bloke. Uh, the gong starts, that means the tournament is underway. Uh, Sabrina casts her magic again and defeats her first opponent with a Russian leg sweep. As does Ty YC. Um, Sabrina is then matched with a 1980s Jean-Claude Van Damme movie henchman uh, for her second match and defeats him with ease, as does Ty. Um, we don't see how she beats a third opponent, only that he ends up being thrown against the wall. Yeah. So, quite a brutal matchup, that one, seemingly. Yeah. Um, Sabrina then approaches Ty, or Tiger Balm, as she says, as that's what he's known in this movie, um, and quotes a few lines from the Dragon Warrior, uh, sorry, Dragon Killer movie. Which uh, is basically your standard everyday, yeah. I'm making a martial arts film, yeah. lines. Something it's, to it's the effect of, you killed my father, you killed my brother, now you've come for me, but you will not take me down, or yeah. something like that. Not along those effects. Yeah. Uh, they then exchange a few verbal encouragements, uh, but he says, you know, they only do that in the movies, only it's... I'm going to beat you for this fight. Suddenly, the um, it's time to fight, and they both naturally backflip to the mat, sort of yeah. Power Rangers style. Um, an epic match begins full of cool moves and a female stunt double. Uh, the crowd roars, but when we cut to them, they're kind of just clapping and cheering. Yeah. It's, there's more noise than, uh, than atmosphere. Um, she then throws Ty White. You, you don't know there could have been a whole like stadium section behind the camera. Oh, easily. I you mean, don't, you don't know. We've already seen sort of like NFL stuck footage yeah, exactly. for the uh, for this college football game from episodes back. So yeah, so maybe there's a big screaming audience. Uh, but yeah, after this cool sort of exchange of uh, kung fuity, um, she then throws Ty White uh, Sai out of the fire escape to win. Yeah, Sabrina Harvey screams. I eat lunch with her. Aww. Poor supportive Harvey. I mean, can you get any more... I can't even think of the word. The word escapes me. It's just ridiculous. Well, you can't it's get any late. more than that, can you? You can't it's, even say what it is. No, exactly. Pathetic. Pathetic. Really? I mean, yes! It's just, I mean, oh, yeah! Oh, my God, Sabrina, yeah, you win! She's literally just been beating him up this entire episode. What would have been better is if... I mean, because we're talking about them being on a date. If he said, yeah, Sabrina, I dated her, or I date her. It's yeah, just, exactly. I eat lunch with her. It's just... So oh. This date was written off. Put abused, put abused Harvey. <laughs> probably thinks she'll beat the shit out of him if he didn't cheer <laughs> yeah. for her. Um, um, so, yeah, poor bloke. Uh, so we then cut to uh, the Spellman's house, and Sabrina is at home, serenading, uh, serenading and cuddling with her trophy, and taking, we think, possibly the world's first selfie depicted on TV. Yeah, but what's she taking it with, Phil? She's taking it with something that was from this decade, which means... That's so 90s! That's so 90s! That's so 90s! And because it's taking it with a Polaroid camera, a massive one, um, that, I mean, fair enough, Polaroid cameras come come back in a in a hipster millennial yeah. age that we are, but... This is literally the, the way to commemorate something so special, to just take a selfie with a Polaroid. Yeah, this was how you took a quick photograph at this time. Not just to be sort of long 90s ironic, like, uh, yeah. like when people use them today. This I mean, was... this is 96, there were still good cameras. Fair enough, there wasn't uh, DSLR cameras and stuff, but there's still good cameras, like journalism use it and stuff, but this is a very of-the-time... Alternative, if you want, it? if you wanted an instant photo, this is the point. Instant. If yeah. you wanted an instant photograph, digital cameras, I think, were starting to come into being, but they were very expensive. So if you wanted a photograph and you straight away look at the picture you've taken, 
Polaroids were the only way. Yeah, I think I think the way that makes it more 90s is the fact that there were better alternatives coming in or, yeah. or, or around, definitely, anyway. But uh, yeah, I think like digital cameras were. Um, the dying days of the, the dying days of the Polaroid as a genuine sort of um, source of instant photographs, like which you only one uh, at this point. So yeah, not long after '96 would you really see a Polaroid used in this way. Yeah, I, I get a a close one would be when they remember when they released the the camera and printer for the Game Boy. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that, that was, was in like uh, early 2000s. Maybe? Oh no, no, but. I think, yeah, but like I think that was probably around about this time. I think. Yeah. 19. Was it? Yeah, it was. It was a very incredibly high tech for that time yeah. to plug this camera and take a picture of yourself on your Game Boy and print it. Print it instantly. Amazing. So that's why, yeah, the 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 act of using a Polaroid for genuine convenience yeah. is is uh, is what makes it so ninety. So she's uh, she's culling a trophy. Um, she's obsessed with it, amazed and ecstatic that she's finally got one. One at that that comes up past her knee. Um, she heads to bed only to hear Jeter from somewhere in the room. It's not Salem, no. Who is it? It's her trophy. It's her trophy. The little golden ninja on the top of her trophy is uh, is shouting cheater at her. Um, who then sort of gets aggressive at Salem and looks like Salem's going to have a fight. <laughs> this really amused me. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. Shut up. Oh, oh. Yeah, so it's just this uh, I, 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 I really wanted to see that fact. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. Um, Sabrina is horrified, obviously, by her trophy's knowledge of being won by magic. Uh, she tries to calm it down, um, again, before it starts a fight with Salem. Uh, it threatens to shout, cheater, all night. Uh, Sabrina tries to shut it up by drowning it under the tap, which is quite funny, and smashing it against the kitchen sink. But it appears to be unbreakable. Yeah, it's that those sort of trophies that she won, those tall ones, um, look, they're very easy to break. Yeah, yeah. If you sort of accidentally knock one off a wrestling apron, it shatters into pieces. Oh yeah, we've as, seen as, that as we've seen before. Yeah. So uh, yeah, you know, I'm sure hitting it, uh, maybe uh, drowning under a tap, probably could have dislodged it. Or yeah. Such, yeah. Naturally, because of the racket that's been made, Hilda and Zelda wake up and question what on earth is going on. Sabrina tells them that her trophy won't shut up. Twitch uh, it then tells them that she's a big cheater. Well, that explains it all, Zelda says. Your trophy is speaking your guilty conscience. Yeah. Hmm. Hilda says that there are only two ways to solve this. You can either put a tiny little sock in its mouth or clear your conscience. Sabrina, not satisfied with either option, just sticks him in the freezer. So, despite this this, uh, heckling that she's getting from her trophy, she's not really up for redeeming herself really is she no she refuses to accept she's done anything wrong bad sabrina bad sabrina um are you are you offended by this decision chris i am unsurprised yeah mm. so i think that's the best way to yeah, yeah unsurprised it was one of those moments where it was like of course this is what's going to happen she's being petty a glory hog this is what she wants she doesn't care who she hurts on a way to get what she wants you know what it reminds me of what or who Frank Underwood, House of Cards. Whew. Some people will understand that. Yeah, goes over it's my head. Fine. But um, yeah, no, thank you for that. Um, it's in no way a niche comment in regards to the room. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's, it's like Frank Underwood. I agree, Graham. Yeah. I, I, it's exactly like. Um... Yeah, like, like, like old old Frankie. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah good uh, lad. We're back at school and Sabrina gets serenaded by her classmates, Harvey and Mr. Poole, who are encouraging her to bring a trophy into school to stick it in the cabinet. 
Um, it's not that great a trophy, she says. Not that great a trophy, Mr. Poole says. It comes up to your knee. <laughs> Again, it's just fascinated by the uh, the size of this trophy. Uh, Mr. Poole says, it says you're the best. But Sabrina says, well, it says different things to me. <laughs> Literally. Um, we're now somewhere generic, and Hilda is getting ready for a big audition. And in walks Gustav, her rival, her... European rival at that. Yeah, it seems to be. He does nothing but antagonise her and rub it in about how much better he is because he clearly is. He's got a more expensive violin. A Stradivarius. Yeah. Like Sherlock Holmes used to play. Yes. And um, he rubs it in about that the last gig that he beat her on um, is what paid for it. Um, and then we see the continuation of, of Hilda being this character where she's matured and she's she could win by magic. Because she could easily wipe Gustav out of this situation. Um, she almost slams a door in his fingers. Yeah, which uh, which I quite enjoyed. He did, yeah. She almost shuts it, but then right at the last minute, no. She's like, no, I'm better this. She yeah, it, swings it back moment. open. I, I enjoyed this entire exchange. Yes, Gustav is being, for lack of a better word, prick. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you've got Hilda, who has seen opportunity to use magic to injure, maim, even kill... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. at some point or another yet she rises above that mm. so she can prove that she is better than Gustav yeah. exactly I mean she could also we say kill because she makes um, a uh, an anvil is yeah. it, hover above yeah. his head and quickly sort of gets rid of it so yeah, she could she could have taken this guy's head out but she wily coyote style exactly but she's she's, she's the better woman and, and obviously we're very thankful um, anyway, we then quickly cut to the next scene, and it's Hilda uh, storming into the house with a storm literally happening outside. Uh, she's pissed off that Gustav got first chair, and she only got second. So she didn't get the gig. She's good enough to come second, though. But, yeah. And she's it's finding it hard to swallow, but she's kind of accepting that. Think about this, though, Phil. Gustav has not been alive for 600 years, <laughs> yes, and he's yeah. better than her. <laughs> yeah. um, oh, man. Um Sabrina has decided to do the right thing, reluctantly, through greater teeth, she will do the right thing and uh, give the trophy to someone more deserving. Uh, Hilda shows off how uh, well behaved she's been, whilst also trying to convince herself that she did the right thing. Yeah. So she's she's accepted that... Her urge to kill is still there. <laughs> yes. She doesn't really quite understand why she has to suppress it, perhaps, but she is suppressing yeah, it nonetheless. Yeah, she, she's still got a good gig out of it, but... She knows she could have won by using magic, but um, Chris, I'm pleased that she she did reserve herself. She's, I, I believe, when we're watching it, you stood up, punched your fist in the air, and said, "Well, in lass, I didn't do any such of a thing." Oh, well, that's supposed to be the imagery that we're trying to get across. The oh, world. right. Oh, yeah, I totally did that. Yeah, yeah I was so yeah, well. yeah, yeah. You reminded me of Frank Underwood when he did that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I've done. Wow, you scene. guys really don't get that. No. <laughs> okay. Um, so, yes, yeah, so she decides to give her trophy back, uh, opening up the freeze to see this shivering trophy man. Uh, we cut to Ty uh, in his office uh, on the phone to his agent, Marty. Um, he says... On all agents called Marty. <laughs> of course, yeah. Uh, he says, I'm tired of playing the ninja assassin. I just want to play the dad on a phone commercial. Aww. <laughs> it's good, yeah. A bloke accepting his stereotypical casting yeah. and just wants to play 
a dad on a telephone. But he can't because no Asian men are fathers. So. <laughs> or own phones. No. Um, it's, well, just... it's that whole uh, whole thing in uh, in Hollywood at the moment. There were no. There was very few Asian leading men in films. Yeah, like none. Mm. I yeah. thought that was a name of an Asian actor. <laughs> oh. You, oh. You're, whoa, whoa, <laughs> you're on their side, <laughs> are you? How very dare you, Philippe. You're on their side. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus, Phil. Yeah. Oh. Um, suddenly, a knock at the door, and it's Sabrina, who wants to give him the trophy that she believes is rightfully his. Uh, Ty isn't interested in it, though, even though it comes past his knee. He hasn't earned it. Does uh, it come past his knee? Because he's not taller than Sabrina. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it's such a grand trophy. Yeah. We've seen it. Uh, it also fits nicely on his uh, bookcase as well, yeah. which he says. Uh, Ty, uh, trophy cabinet. You can say it's a trophy cabinet. Yeah. But it is a bookcase. <laughs> it, just has, it, just has, it just has trophies on it instead of books. Because he doesn't read, he just kicks ass. Um. <laughs> uh, Ty isn't interested in having it back, uh, even though it, yeah, it said it comes past his knee. Uh, he suggests that he could only accept it honourably um, if he won it in a rematch. Sabrina, not wanting to fight again, suggests that maybe they win it over foosball. There is no honour in foosball, he says. You're damn right. You're damn right. And there's not been any foo- uh, honour in foosball past 1996 either, is there? No, I mean, it's, it's, just, it's just, um, just a bit of a, a crapshoot, isn't it, really? There's no, <laughs> uh, no, no skill involved there. Yeah, so, we're back in school. Sabrina tells Mr. Pill that she's accepted a rematch against Ty and that she has forgotten how to fight and needs training. Cue montage, boys! Oh my days, it is a martial arts montage. It of is. Of course, everything that you need about uh, uh, if you're doing a show or a film about Kung Fu or any fighting, uh, Rocky is an example, boxing, you need a training montage. So yeah, there's this montage where they're leaping everywhere, they're whacking on and whacking off, and Graeme, you made a very important observation about this particular scene. They're outside! They are! They're actually outside, they're jumping around what's probably still a studio backlot, but it is outside, mm-hmm. um, legitimately outside. We get establishing shots, obviously, with the school and the Spellman House and various other locations, but this is the first time we actually see actors from the show actually outside. It's great that they went outside. They could have easily just staged this in the cafeteria like everything. Yeah. But it's nice to see them. It looks more authentic. I yeah. Um, so yeah, they're waxing on and waxing off and leaping around. Uh, Sabrina is using sort of a, a palm to uh, split uh, planks in half and yeah. stuff. And yeah, Mr. Poole's taught her well, it seems. Or at least well enough to survive the oncoming slaughter. Yeah, yeah very great. Um, the Gong sounds, and Sabrina is panicking that she's lost her chi. Trying to concentrate, she once again punches Harvey. I've lost count of how many times that poor boy's been injured. Poor guy. Poor guy. I mean... He's got broken ribs and a broken heart. (laughs) That's terrible. But yeah, so he... But he's there, again, in Boston to support her. Why does he stay? Why does he stay? (laughs) But the thing is, he says, like, he goes... He just walks up to her to obviously say something meaningful, like, I'm here, well, do- you know, I'm cheering you on. She hits him. She goes, oh my God, I'm sorry, Harvey. And he goes, I'm just going to sit down. I think he's decided to be tired of her shit as well. There's yeah. so- no, he just needs, just needs to go somewhere and cough up blood. <laughs> yeah, um. just, just go somewhere else. Hang, uh, just stop hanging around. Anyway, in walks Ty, and uh, Sabrina says, oh, that's a nice uh, shirt. He then rips the sleeves off <laughs> in angry fashion. <laughs> Flipping all over the joint, uh, with Sabrina only able to forward roll slowly and punch ineffectively. Yes. Um, she begs for mercy, and Ty looks like he's about to take her head off. Instead, 
He pats her on the head and declares that her knee-high trophy is all his. Yes. Mr. Poole asks her if she's okay. Uh, she's then, she says, aside from a bruised chi, no sort of innuendo there, uh, she has a clear conscience and she is fine. Uh, then the trophy, instead of calling her a cheater, insists on calling her a loser, blows her raspberry and makes her angry. Yeah. So there we go. She's done the right thing against her wishes, really. Will that trophy now call Ty a winner? Every time he looks at it. I hope so. We're back at the Spellman's and Sabrina is returning her moral compass, which is now pointing towards right. She did the right thing, boys. Again, yeah. as I said, she didn't want to, but she did. Do we think she's genuinely learnt this lesson? No. No, no. because we find out... Well, you'll, you can finish off uh, the episode and you'll see that she doesn't really learn her lesson at She all. doesn't know, but we're led to believe that if you finish watching this episode before the credits uh, come, then yeah, she has learnt a lesson, but... She's a 16-year-old girl. She's Sabrina. We've learned that she's a little bit troublesome and misguided. And, yeah, it's only temporarily she's learned her lesson. Um, but, nevertheless, she wants to show Hilda how proud she is of uh, following a moral compass. Uh, Zelda says she's not there as she's playing her first symphony, a second chair. Which we then cut to. And uh, Gustav, he's just... What he's doing? He's polishing his... Yeah, he's taunting her again. Yeah. He's just polishing his Stratovarius. Again, not a euphemism. No, and... Um, then she, in the open, with her fellow bandmates and the conductor staring at her, she just makes him disappear in a puff of smoke. Yeah, just poof, he and he's gone. Where does he go? And no they then just move along chairs. So yeah. everyone has seen this. Everyone, I mean, clearly Gustav was a an arrogant sort. Yeah. But everyone is pleased that this man has disappeared. At this point I'd like to point out that no, they genuinely are glad because yeah. everyone moves up a chair and I'm pretty sure there's one woman there with a giant smile on her face. Exactly. That's, that's, that's good to see that, you know, nobody liked Gustav, so you know, it wasn't just her and her sort of, you know, insecurity, like, you know, she really was sort of putting him in his place, but where did she put him? Did she put him in the ground? Has he gone yeah. to has he gone to the other realm? Or boys, is it more sinister? Has she Removed him from existence. We we don't find out. No. I assume we never will. But yeah, so it's a bit of a grim lesson that, again, we thought Hilda was this woman that's, for once, being a good guide for Sabrina. With, and, yeah. and I was generally proud of her before this point. Going, well done, Hilda, you're learning. It's taken you 600 years, but you, you're getting there. Yeah. And yeah, that's it. She shits it all over it, and that's it. She's used the magic to get what she wants. Yep. Cannonball, fired at child in last episode, and um, arrogant orchestra man vanishing in this one. Hilda, you've got a lot to learn. Yeah. But at the same time, technically, technically, yeah, she made she no, she made him disappear, but she didn't make herself better than him. No, she restrained herself. So, so she she still got to be first chair. Because he wasn't there. She removed him from the situation so that she was the best. Therefore, not actually using magic to make self-improvement. I guess so. Yeah. It, it, it is a point, but it's still got a black shadow over yeah. it. Oh, yeah. This, yeah. Is, this is what I was saying about the morally grey area. Yeah. 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 yeah, on the compass will be somewhere in the middle. Some, yeah, disappearing men. Yeah, yeah that's a grey area. Uh, anyway, we cut to the credits, and Hilda presents Sabrina with a world's greatest niece trophy. She makes a comment going, look, it goes right up to your ankle. Again, following this little joke about the trophy. While embracing her aunt, they notice a gold medal around her neck that allegedly injured American Olympic gymnast Kerry Strug 
gave to her. So yeah, she's actually upped her game in terms of stealing <laughs> accolades. Yeah. So uh, she yeah. could have just she might have been happy with the Eastern American uh, Kung Fu Championship. I think yeah. that it was the displaying on the walls of this uh, this competition. She's actually stepped up again. She's won an Olympic gold medal. Now I don't know much about this Kerry Strug, only that um, she represented. Um, in the Olympics in 1996, despite being injured, she's. Yeah. I think she still won a medal. Did maybe Sabrina cause the injury? Maybe she pulled out and Sabrina stepped in and won. What do we think? Um, I don't know if this uh, Kerry Strug won a medal whilst injured, and Sabrina then took that medal from her. This incredible achievement in the face of adversity, and Sabrina. Said, nah, that medal's mine. Horrible. Maybe she still believes Kung Fu is her sport. So this injured gymnast has won a gold medal. She then kicks her in the face and steals her medal. Who knows? And that brings it to the end of episode 10. Graeme, sweet and sour experience? Um, Yes, actually, because, you know, it was, it was very funny. Mr. Poole, yet again, hilarious. I thought... Um, Kerry Hiroyuki Tagawa as a tie was, you know, he, he played his role very well. Um, and, you know, sort of, yeah, some of the Kung Fu sort of sequences were very entertaining. However, again, you know, Sabrina didn't. She did learn a lesson, I suppose. I guess the thing at the end is just a throwaway gag. I mean, you know, we're getting a bit sort of hung up on it. Um, so, yeah, at least there was a degree of redemption in this one and, you know, a very sort of definite sort of arc of, you know, use your magic to do this. It's not right, <laughs> you know. It sort of disappoints a lot of people who actually really deserve it. So at the end of the day, it's it's best to be honest and it's best to yeah. sort of do, do things sort of the um, the pure way, the mortal way. Um, however, I don't know. I, th- I think by this point we've had too many of those. I think we did discuss it earlier. I think you know, sort of, we've had sort of. Some, you can't just make what, what whatever you want to happen happen mm-hmm. with your magic. You know, you should you should play fair. Like that's already happened before. And yeah, it's just becoming a bit sort of repetitive now and again, yeah, sort yeah. of the lack of progress on the Sabrina Harvey front. He is just there to get hit in this episode. Again, it's just a throwaway gag, you know, it's not half as bad as we make it sound. But yeah, it's just just a bit sort of... Um... We, we want development in, sto- in overarching storylines yeah. and stuff. And at the minute, these past two episodes are kind of putting that a bit of a standstill. A lot of sitcoms are static, okay? A lot of sitcoms, you don't really get much character progression, and at the end, everybody is the same as they were before. In the early episodes, Sabrina wasn't like that. Yeah. We were actually seeing, like, people's relationships and characters develop as we went along. That seems to have stopped in the last few, and that's what's getting to me at the moment. Yeah. So, yes, it's still funny. Yes, it's, um, you know, the concepts, that the you know situations that they're putting them in are good. So, on pure sort of sitcom level, it's still working. But the thing that elevated it above standard sitcom fare, which was the character development and the emotional side, that's fallen flat, and that makes me sad. Yeah. Um, Chris, are you sad by this? Yeah. I mean, I, to be honest with you, that um, I was sat there, I watched the episode with you guys, I was there, I, I, I wasn't impressed by it, really, mm. in any way, shape or form. Uh, I, the the concept was a good concept. It made sense. They tried to make it running themes and running jokes throughout. But I got more enjoyment watching it with you guys, having a laugh at it rather yeah. than with it. If that makes sense. Yeah, I don't understand. Yeah, yeah, I was laughing at it, not with it. Whereas mm-hmm. previously we've been laughing with it yeah. as well as at it. Yeah. This was just I, as you've said, Graham, it's flat. 
clap. Um, obviously, again, Chris is our uh, rank master. Jimmy had to step in on the last one. No, I'm happy about that. You um, should have called me. <laughs> <laughs> no, maybe we should have done. Yeah. No, but we, he was there. He was there at the moment. He he did a good job in Bruce. Now he did a good job. All right, all right. He made he made a witty sort of score out of it. So, but you are here. You are back doing the job that you do best, Chris. So, as rank master, mm-hmm. set the bar. What would you give this uh, episode ten? To be honest with you guys, I would give this one. Four sweets out of sour. Okay, okay. Well, that's your. Is that your lowest score today? It, I think. Yeah. That, well, I I have ranked something at four before. Yeah. But I haven't gone lower than four. This was touch. This is bottom end okay. of four. Okay. Graham, agree or disagree? Um, I I think I gave six point five to the last one. I enjoyed uh, this one less. Probably not because it's a significantly worse episode, but just because. When you've already got into the thing of like, I'm not happy with how mm. you know these characters are progressing, and then it persists, then it annoys you more, and you enjoy it less. So I'd, I'd give it, I'd give it five. Okay, I'm, I'm going to give this episode the benefit of the doubt in regards to it wasn't worse than the last episode, it wasn't better than the last episode, and I'm going to leave because we're in a bit of a rut at the minute where we had the last episode was disappointing, and this one is as well. I'm. And, so, and the episode before that as well. I'm just going to give it one last benefit of the doubt. I'm going to give it the same as what I did the last episode, so six. I'm going to give this a six. But if Sabrina pulls any more stunts like this, it's I'm going to start getting a bit harsh now. I don't yeah. want to. I don't want to upset myself too early on, boys. If you can understand. Well, I, I, let me put it to you this way: I have not upset myself. I still have. <laughs> I still have three to go down. <laughs> you do. So yeah. So averagely, we're about one, about five, aren't we? Yeah. So yeah. So, yeah. so this episode ten, uh, sweet and sour victory, was a sweet and sour experience for all involved. Boys, episode eleven. Would you like to know what it is? Yes. Yeah, go on, mate. Okay. Uh, this is entitled uh, the next episode, episode eleven, uh, for next week: a girl and her cat. Salem gets Sabrina kicked out of the pizzeria, causing Sabrina to wash her hands of him and subsequently getting catnapped before Christmas. Sabrina gets Salem kidnapped. Yes. Catnapped. Catnapped, of course. Um, right. What? This could, this could really sort of take our relationship with Sabrina down a very, um, negative path. I mean, okay, fair enough. Okay, so... Salem gets Sabrina kicked out of the pizzeria. Why the fuck was Salem at the pizzeria in the first place? Um, Did he just have a hankering for her Hawaiian pizza or something? And why is her response to this to get him kidnapped? I'm very intrigued and concerned. Well, all these questions I'm sure will be answered in the next episode, so please join us then for episode 11, A Girl and Her Cat. Thank you very much for joining us for this episode. My name is Phil Dean. I've been your host. Thank you. Um, To my left, Graeme Riley. Thank you very much, Graeme. You're welcome. Bye. And uh, to my right, a returning Chris Evans. Thank you very much, Chris. However you choose to listen to this show, whether it be via Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud or iTunes, if you could be so kind, please leave us a comment and a review. Your support and inspiration will give the show meaning, otherwise we're just broadcasting to no one. And that's just sad. Also, why not subscribe? Then as soon as every episode hits the air, you'll get it downloaded straight away. How easy and dare I say magical is that? If you head to our Twitter page, at Sabrina Watch, you'll find links to each of our episodes, as well as quotes, pics and skits of our favourite moments as the series progresses. Whichever realm you're from, thank you once again for listening, and I hope you tune back in next week.